Hello, and welcome to the Work-Life Balance Project. This is episode number two. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. This week's interview is with my good friend Skylar Carr, an engineer of spaceships and rocket ships. Okay, well, not really, but pretty close. He's the co-founder and executive of Infinity Learning, an education technology company that really does build spaceship and rocket ship simulators for students across the country. Each simulation is built to match the curriculum that students have been learning in math or science, and so they get to go in and do real spaceship missions and apply all the things that they've been learning in class. Skyler has often been described as having a reckless enthusiasm for life. He's honestly one of the most impressive people I know, and he turns everything he touches into gold. He's smart, he's ambitious, and he's extremely passionate about what he does. Just interviewing him got me fired up. To top it all off, he has an amazing wife, Leticia, and they have two little boys who are as bright and adventurous as they are. So without making you wait any longer, we'll get right to the interview. Skylar, welcome, and thanks so much for being here. I just want to start off by asking, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Oh, geez. Well, it, if you go back, like at elementary school, when you have those interviews and tests and counseling meetings with teachers where they would have you fill out the bubble sheets of what you're good at, and at the end you would get the results of, like, you could be an engineer, you could be a teacher, you could be a doctor. And then for some reason, it was so weird to me, but all of those quizzes were always paired with the average salary of that position to try to get kids excited. And I would look at this and in my mind, I immediately thought, oh, so that's why you want us to look at this is so we can make a lot of money. And so I kept thinking, well, I keep hearing about all these people on the news like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and later on Mark Zuckerberg and all these people. And I think, well, what did they study? Because they make a heck of a lot more than any of these papers you're showing me. And what's that job? That's, that's the job I want if that's what the goal is supposed to be. Now, naturally, for, fortunately, growing up, I learned it's a lot more about the just money other than what that paper showed me. But that stuck with me, that feeling of, well, why should I just do these jobs that have an average income? If that's really why I'm going to school, why I'm learning that's dumb to me. Why would I trade in time of my life in order to be average? And so that kind of just sunk in a little bit. But as I went through time, I realized looking back now that I only ever really worked when I wanted to try something new or when I wanted to create something. The only real job I had was an accident. It was at the car wash and it was a super cute girl that happened to drive up and I was trying to make small talk and I said, hey, I heard you work at the car wash. Uh, I was thinking of getting a job there, total lie. This is a lesson also about not lying because she called me that day and said, hey, I have an interview with my boss. I can totally get you in right now if you wanna come. So I came in because I stick to my lies even. And I got an interview and I started working that day. And three months later, my family's like, we're really concerned that you've gotten into some bad stuff because you're gone every day after school. You're coming home with really nice stuff. Are you dealing drugs? Like what's going on? I'm like, no, I got a job. <laughs> and even worse, the girl that like I went to get the job for ended up changing departments. We didn't even work together. But 
besides that experience, which I think ties in because it was me wanting to create a relationship. I mean, I had a business selling t-shirts because I, there weren't cool lacrosse t-shirts and I played lacrosse. So I made a lacrosse t-shirt, I started selling it and ultimately like by hawking it in backpacks at different games, we ended up getting placed in several stores in Salt Lake. And then that fizzled out because I had already figured it out. And then some guy tried to hire me to help sell aeration and he offered to sell me 10 bucks an hour which for a high school kid was unheard of. And I thought, that's amazing. Well, how much am I selling it for? He said, oh, it's just 35 bucks each time you do. And I thought, well, what about the rest of that money? And so I thought, oh, I'm not really interested. And I went instead and hired two of my buddies. And we went up and <laughs> rented a narrator, sold it, made like $3,000 in a day. And we figured that out. And so we never did it again. If we were actually smart, we would have kept doing these things and actually made money. But it was more, I realized, about just the experience of trying to figure something out. It was so invigorating going through. I mean, there was a photo booth business. And then there were constantly, I mean, even from the age of six, I was folding paper airplanes and selling them to kids. Because every time I learned to fold something new, I'd make it like 10 of them and I'd go sell them to the neighbor kids for a nickel or for 10 cents or whatever. And now that I'm in this business, I realize I thrive on waking up in the morning and having no idea what I'm supposed to do. Like when you know there's someone that can help me get through a problem and I somehow find a way to get in their office by the end of the day, that's just, it's, it's incredibly empowering. And it makes me realize that there's so much more to this whole process of waking up in the morning and getting stuff done. Because when you're, you're not just the receiver of tasks, but you're the initiator of tasks. It, it makes it hard for me to think of getting like a job someday. I don't know if I'd be a good employee anymore. <laughs> I'll be mad at it. Where, where in the whole, in the spectrum of you starting and, and figuring out these other businesses, did you meet Leticia? How did that Oh, geez. Happen? So I, whenever, so whenever I do anything, I always want to be the best at it, or at least the best that I can be. I always push myself to see how good I can be at whatever that is. Whether I'm at the top, it doesn't really matter. But like for any sports, for anything I take on, I always want to try to see how far I can take it. And the thing that I happen to fall into right before meeting my wife, Leticia, is... Um, was Zumba. I had just gotten back from being gone for a long time and my wife or my mom really missed me and I didn't have school. I didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have a job. So I was just at home and she was addicted to Zumba. And so she thought, you have nothing better to do. Come to Zumba with me. Hopefully you'll maybe meet a girl. And I loved dancing and I loved the idea of being in this room, working out with a bunch of girls. I was really lonely, I guess. And so I went with her and I remember looking around and thinking, there are a hundred women in this room smiling and they're working out. This is cool. And so I turned to my mom and I just said, hey, this would be fun to teach someone. This is a blast. And I just kind of said that off comment. And then she surprised me as a thank you for going with her, like repeatedly, because we went a ton. It was fun. Uh, she signed me up for a certification class. So I went to certification class and ended up being certified, got called like that day I was certified. They said, hey, we heard you're certified. I said, I don't even know who you are. How did you get my number? And they said, well, we want to give you a job. I said, I don't know how to do this. I just got a piece of paper. It didn't seem like it was, there was no test. They just, you just went and they gave you a piece of paper. It seems kind of sketchy, but they didn't care. So I got this class and we turned it into like the biggest class in Utah at one point. I guess it was just a novelty that you're a guy teaching the Zumba <laughs> thing. 
who happens to probably not be gay. And we're doing this class and I met my wife in that process and I had decided, well, if I'm going to do the Zimba thing, I'm going to be the best. So we go to convention in Florida. Like there's an actual Zumba convention with the most hyped oh, yeah. up women you'll ever meet in your life. It is a magical <laughs> experience. If anyone ever gets the chance to go, it's so cool to see so many passionate people about dancing and working out. But I remember being there and thinking, I could be the best at this. This is something I could go really far in. But I looked at what the top was and it just didn't interest me. And I remember being at convention and then immediately getting turned off. Because it just, it was that whole aspect of going back to elementary and seeing, if this is what I'm going to be working towards, why would you have me ever be average? And I looked at it, I said, that's just not it. And so my poor wife had to be dragged along because I had met her just right before that. And so right, we went to, like we were three months married, we went to this convention and I remember thinking, well, that's not for me, not interested. And so we had nothing. And so we were going to start uh, an online company just selling products. We were looking around for different stuff. We just thought that'd be fun because then we could travel around and just sell stuff. And one of my buddies invited me to come check out this new thing they were doing to try to revive this old space center program. And I went by with her and we toured it. And I said, this is cool. If you guys ever need help building, I can help because I had apprenticed for a guy to help uh, be a handyman. So I knew how to do some construction. And so he brought me in. We were doing construction. And then I started seeing some ideas of how we could take this further. So I started offering ideas, starting offering ideas, and then started getting invited to meetings and started doing stuff. And then in that process, started to realize that there was a totally new model that could be found in this. And I didn't know what it was. But I knew, I saw the kids coming through. I saw the way they were impacted by this weird. And for those that know, don't know what this is, the Space Center is this, it's literally sci-fi based sets in schools where it's literally a spaceship and you just go play star trek and you're basically learning as you're on the bridge of the spaceship and just negotiating with aliens and solving problems and i thought i see these kids coming out and their lives are being changed by this opportunity to just experience science in a different way to be able to articulate knowledge and stand up for what they believe in when a bully alien is talking to them I think this needs, there's a way that this could get out more. And I think it was part of that whole not knowing even what to do that just consumed me. I thought I could, we could do this. A really, really awesome team of group of uh, people that we got together and ultimately tried a bunch of different things and a lot of them didn't work. And so we pivoted a lot of different times and ultimately just on a whim, we kind of actually had a lot of our team kind of going different ways because it just was coasting, wasn't doing much. And I was able to go and convince a local company to give us 20 grand to try something out. And just awesome engineering company that wanted to support kids getting new opportunities. They gave us a check and I went and bought tech that I didn't know if it would work or not, called all these people, spent hours and hours and hours on the phone trying to see if there's a way we could create a really cheap package that could go into schools and implement this. And ultimately we figured it out. And that turned into what today is infinity learning, uh, infinity like 3D. Right. And the, that process now is just a really cool, simple package that just gets plugged into computer labs, download the software, and now whatever kids do in the classroom, they can apply in their lab in a way that makes them care. Because our whole approach is if students don't care, it doesn't matter how good what you're teaching is. If they don't care, it's not going to sink in. Right. But if you can make them care, you can basically suck at teaching, which unfortunately there's a good group that are kind of at that realm with how 
poorly we abuse our educators, the only ones that can really stick through nowadays are the ones that are either really bad or really, really, really committed. So you've got a lot of extremes and we want to try to bridge that gap. And it's been really a ride. We still don't have it figured out by any means. But you guys but, are making some real traction in in Utah and, and in yeah. multiple different school districts. But when this started, what did what did your wife Leticia say to you? You I mean you weren't even graduated at this point from from college, is that right? Or no, yeah, I graduated two years after starting. So So you had almost nothing. I mean what was she worried about risks? Was she what kinds of things did she say and, and how oh, man. what was your mindset? So the the number one thing I've had mentors tell me when they when they're presented with like a business idea or a, a new investment idea and they look at the entrepreneur, if it's an unproven entrepreneur, the first thing they look at is their wife. Because that's the number one thing that will either make or break the entrepreneur outside of their own ability to actually make it happen. And for me, I have this amazing French wife who doesn't know a thing about entrepreneurship because Europe is so hard to actually be an entrepreneur. Her whole understanding was you go, you get a job, you work hard, you get promoted, and then you retire. And so fortunately, she was really good at that part. Like she, she worked for Rolex, she worked for the IOC, like setting up all the Olympic stuff. She's worked for FIFA. She's worked uh, for a private bank in Switzerland. Like she's had amazing jobs, made a lot of really good money. And that's what she succeeded in. Like she's older than I am. And so when we met, she had already really done a lot with her career. So I think she saw me and she said, well, I want him to have a chance because I've made it. She had a little bit saved up, but not a lot. And so it was kind of just... You know, she saw how passionate I was about everything that I did. And then especially once we got into something like education and the ability to make kids' lives better, she, I think she saw how much I wanted to make that happen. But to be really honest, I was a really bad husband and a really bad father for the first couple of years because I let the business both working in and on the business totally consumed me because I thought that by making it happen, my family would succeed. And just by doing that, they were failing. And I needed a really strong turnaround. And I think the biggest point of that turnaround happened when my wife put a hours and hours and hours into uh, planning a surprise birthday party for me and getting all of our family and friends here and everything set up and keeping it from me and I was an hour and a half late to my surprise birthday party when she, I had promised her I would be home at a specific time on my birthday so that she could do dinner with me. Uh, and I walked in and half of the guests had had to go. Everyone was just chilling, sitting there. And I remember it was the first time I walked into my own party and everyone was kind of like bugged that I was at my party, you know. <laughs> and that was a really big moment for me because I thought about why I was late and it was... I had to deal with a disciplinary issue with one of our employees that was doing something dumb and trying to figure out how we could make it better. And I always wanted to try to help him succeed. But I remember looking back and thinking there was no reason that had to happen then. There was no, like I even look back and I think of all these other lessons that we could have just ended things and left him for another time where we could have just fired the employee. Like ultimately it didn't work out with that one. But I look and it was a really good lesson for me to realize that was dumb. I was so dumb. And so through talking with a lot of mentors and trying to just do a lot of personal inventories of 
deciding how to make those changes, I realized that when I'm home, I need to bring it. Like, when I'm home now, it is so hard to get a hold of me because I just take my phone, I go plug it in by my bed, and I just leave it. So when once I cross that threshold, I am home. Now, I'm not perfect. There's a lot of times where I'll leave it in my pocket and I'll sometimes get distracted. Or when there are issues that need to be solved, my wife knows that, yes, we our family is relying on this. So there are those times. And I'm often home late and I'm often there. But it, it, there's a huge shift that happened in my understanding of work hours. There's like two different worlds of work hours. There's... What most people do is, okay, when I, I need to work these hours and then I get to go home. For anyone who's really consumed with what they're doing, I think, or is really excited about the work or really is an entrepreneur because everything kind of rests on their shoulders, your work hours are the time you're allowed to work. And so I look at this and 6 p.m. for me isn't the time I get to go home, it's the time I need to go home. It's when I have to cut myself off. And so it really helps me pick what I need to work on and really scrunch it down into what's actually necessary and useful. But man, I was bad. I was really bad early on. Yeah, I like that realization moment. Do you think before that moment you were doing things that didn't need to be done? Or do you think that they were just needing to be reshuffled? I, do you think your business would not have survived if you hadn't have spent that much time on it? Or do you think you just needed to reallocate your schedule? You know, to be honest, and this is a dangerous thing to say, especially on something like a podcast, but uh, I, I do, like thinking back now, and I'll probably say something different a year from now, but if, if I look back, I do think I was brainwashed by all those entrepreneurs that come and speak for like classes and for sessions and, and tell you their story and what you need to do. They all say, yeah, you got to be the hardest working person and you've got to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like you got to give it your all and it's persistence, it's dedication, it's all these things. And I think, I really do think I was brainwashed by that because that's what I believed that I would always be the hardest per working person. This would never fail because I wouldn't be willing to work. And I think I honestly filled my plate with things that just didn't matter. Like hours and hours and hours doing market research and trying to figure this stuff out and gathering new uh, contact lists. And I look at this and I think, I, I honestly can't look back and point at any one thing that I'm so glad I did. It was a series of a lot of just constant work. But I look now and I'm doing a lot less hours than I was, but I am accomplishing so much more. And I think that kind of ties in, I was talking with someone the other day about, if you think of the times of your life, like the decades of your life, and when the best time to be an entrepreneur is, there's really no one time that you can point to. There's a lot of different categories where you have strengths in those decades. So if you think from the time to 20 to 30, you have the most flexibility as far as your time. You have the most freedom as far as your financial obligations, but you have the least amount of experience and knowledge. Now you move to 30, you've got a lot more experience and knowledge, but you have a lot more financial obligations, a lot less time. Move on to 40, 50, even worse. You have way more experience, way more knowledge, but tons more obligations, way less time, way less energy. And so it all becomes a matter of just being conscious of what your weaknesses are. And I did a really bad job, I think, of thinking that just by working, I would learn. And there's a portion of that that's true, but honestly now I, I burn through at least a book a week in 
and I'm constantly trying to go out to lunch with people that are smarter than me, which luckily is just about everyone. So anyone I eat with <laughs> is great. But it's this weird process of just, I don't know, trying to find that balance, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when it, thinking back on when, it, when you first started your company, you got that $20,000, you weren't taking a salary. You had some savings, right? You mentioned that Leticia had some savings. Did you have a kid at this point? Yeah. You yeah. now have, I guess we should say, you now have two kids, right? Ages. Yeah. Uh, one is two and one is four. Two and four. And so you did have a kid at this point. I did. And you had no salary. Yeah. What, what's on your mind thinking I've, I have people that depend on me. I'm making no money. Um, oh boy. I was so determined to make this happen that money was very rarely something in my mind the first year of doing this. We made a lot of just decisions. Like we went and moved in to my my parents' basement and we definitely just made a lot of choices in our lifestyle that would allow me to try to make this happen. And I think that's part of why I worked my brains out. Now, I don't want to say that I'm not working hard now because I still work at least 50, 60 hours a week. I mean, thinking about it basically all day, every day. My poor wife, even though I'm trying to be home, it's still so hard to not think about it. I'm still working as hard as I can, but it's, it's just working a lot smarter. And so as I look at this, that really those first couple of years, it was just all about accomplishing something that wasn't money, which is why I think it was so meaningful. There was nothing in this of thinking, I really want to be making this salary by this day or sell for this much. It was more about what could we build? What kind of an organization could we create? And it's still like that. Like we're, we're paying ourselves. We're each making it probably 20% of market standard for our positions. If that, I think we're way below that for a startup even. Just because we're all committed to making this work and we know what it could be. And I mean, I was still teaching Zumba, which pays really well per hour and is normally outside of those normal hours. And I was trying, like doing weird stuff, like trying to get acting jobs and stuff that pays really well for a day's work. And we just floated by. Like it was, it was more of just, if I had done this later in my career, I wouldn't have done it. And that's part of why I wasted a lot of time because I didn't lack, I didn't have experience and knowledge. I wasted a lot of time, but because of the freedom, because of, energy and because of willingness to try it there's that was really the only time in my life i would have started this in the way that we did i think we could have started this but it would have been done in a very different way and turned into something very different do you feel like there's been a toll on your on your relationship with your kids because of how much you've had to work i mean now you're you're back to a normal 50 60 hours that's i think pretty standard for a lot of people who are ambitious and are really <laughs> trying to push their career, right? And, and that's, yeah. that's not outrageous. But do you think at the beginning, I mean, did you still feel like you had a connection with your oldest who was probably a baby at that point? And I definitely made an effort to sacrifice things in my personal life ahead of sacrificing things with my kids. I do know that I'm always going to look back and really wish I could have had more time with them. But I don't think it will eat away at me as much as someone who someone else because of how I definitely have not kept up with any of my friends. 
<laughs> there's no bro time at all. <laughs> it just never happens. Uh, there's really no games. The only times I'll play like a game is with my brothers when we're trying to catch up. We're out of state. It's I would and I would do things out of my own comfort level. Like my boys have never gone to bed on their own. And that sucks. <laughs> it does. I mean, it's, I look at these other, like, my friends and my family, that they can just go and put their kids in the bed and leave, and the kid goes to sleep. My kids have never done that once. I have held them or lied down with them every single night since they were born because that's my time with them. An extension to when I get home and when we play. And also, I mean, my kids, I really hope it doesn't come back to haunt them and their de- cognitive development or anything, but they definitely change their hours for me too. During the really, really rough times of trying to get things up and going, they wouldn't go to bed until 11 or 12. Luckily, they're kids that sleep in, and so they would sleep in until 10, 11, or 12. And then I would leave early in the morning, but we get to hang out all night. And so there were a lot of things that we changed because we were willing to be flexible and because I'm willing to give up a lot of those things where I look at some of the people I know that do the same kind of work schedule I do and have kids, but still go out and have their time and go do those things. And I know it's going to really eat at them. And of course, every dad wants to be a better dad. Every dad wants to spend more time with their kids. And I think that's where I'll definitely look back and really miss those times. But I know I've done everything I can to try to fix that outside of the first year where I just sucked at it, where I just thought you had to work all day, every day, no matter what you were working on. And now I know you do need to really work hard, but it matters what you're working on. Where do you see this infinity learning going in the future and and with that impact on your family? And do you plan on trying another venture? Oh, man, this is this this is a question I've asked myself a lot because we are in a position with this where we can really just slap the educational system in the face. In a way that it's it's more of like when you get slapped by someone unexpectedly, you go, whoa, what was that? What just happened? Like we want that to happen in education because all of the big companies, these giant billion dollar organizations are all creating stuff that's boring. They're creating stuff that requires the teachers to really step up and make it exciting and interesting for the students. And schools and teachers are demanding that education be more digital, be more technology-based and all this companies are doing is just copying their textbooks over to like scanning their textbooks and making them digital and I think that's what digitization is and I think we have a chance to come in with this application program that really makes these kids think about the subjects differently and then once we layer in our own content for cheaper and better and more exciting and more engaging than everyone else I really hope it gets everyone to step up their game and that's kind of where we don't we don't necessarily, we're not building this to sell because we have the chance to take this to a level where it actually makes a difference. And so I don't know because I have so, like I have a book that I write all my business ideas in to get them out of my head and hopefully go and I have a lot of things that I'd love to give a shot, but I don't want this to not go the distance. And I also have to balance that with the fact that I would not be a good CEO of a public company. I would not. I don't think in, I don't even think I'd be a good CEO of a company with 500 employees. I, 
in my mind, there's there really are three basic skill sets in CEOs, we'll say. There's the five-person company, the 50-person company, and the 500-person company. With the five-person company, everyone is doing a lot. And so there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of people being able to self-start and generate uh, ideas and be able to create these departments and do things. And so the team dynamic is really unique. And the leadership dyna dynamic is really unique because it's so built on trust and accountability. With the first 50-person company, you still know who everyone is. But departments are really set. Work tasks are all built around the product that exists. It all built, it's all measurable. Everything's there. And so it's all about just being able to really, I think, hit milestones and reach goals within a known structure. And then a 500-person company, nobody really knows who everyone else is. The departments definitely don't interact. There's a lot of autonomy within your section because it's forced. You kind of have to operate as an island because there's so many other moving pieces that has to be there. I don't think I have that skill set. For me, I really need to know who I'm working with and, and know how they're gonna work and how we can think through things. And then like at the beginning, I'm so driven by what I don't know and what we need to create that just trying to move the needle would, there's so many other people with better skill sets for that. Mm -hmm. How how many people work at your company right now? Right now we're eleven. Eleven, and you're the you are the CEO currently. Yeah, I mean we've we've got a really strong founding team right now. There's three of us that are driving this, and we all very much run the company over what we're strong with, and it's been really cool to see how that dynamic works for us. And we had a lot more people. And this is actually a different three than, than what we started with. Hmm. With the original Space Place, only two of us are the same. And it was like eight people at the beginning. It was crazy. So, so, so painful. <laughs> but now this, this group is just really strong. We trust each other a lot, which is why I'm, I'm really actually interested to see how it develops. As we actually become a product that is set, and there's so little right now that is set because we're constantly inventing and redesigning and getting feedback and, and making changes that the three of us trying to push it and really the two of us that are overall leading it, it's just an interesting dynamic and I love that. I, I, I live on that. Where I can know if I don't show up for a meeting that someone else can totally step up and everyone sees whatever he says as carrying nearly, well, carrying just as much, if not more weight in whatever that specific area is. It's so cool to see that we do have a good team and the partnership works for us. I never thought I'd be a partner person. I always, everything else I've done has been solo. Hmm. So this is the first time I've done this and we're learning a lot about it, but I love it. I honestly don't think I'd do anything else alone. How does, if it does, how does being a dad and a husband influence the way that you manage other people or that you work with other people or that you think about a business? Hmm. Um, so first off, within this dynamic, so it's basically me and, me and this co-founder are the main two. And he actually, a year ago, married into four kids. 
And so he's kind of having to catch up on time. So it's really cool to see that for us, no one ever questions when you go, when you need to be there with your family. We're very respectful and it's so nice that we have that balance and that dynamic. So between us, as far as our partnership is concerned, we know it will be very unlikely that our future workplace, no matter how successful we are, has ping pong tables and foosball tables for employees. Because when it's time to go home, we don't want people hanging out and playing games. We want them to go home to their families. And that's the kind of people I want to work with. But I'm not against us having those so that people's family can actually come to our office and play with that. So there's, it'll be cool to see how it builds out. But it's so nice to have that balance. And as I think of the way I interact with, with employees and with, and with the, the, our current team, there's, now that I think of it, I, I actually haven't really drawn these comparisons before. But I think there's a lot of impact both with my employees, with how I work with my kids, and the other way around. I find myself like getting impatient with my kids and thinking, I would never do this with anyone on our team. I would never just like chew them out for doing something dumb. And I like look at the situation, I think that was stupid. And I'll sit them down and be like, hey, I'm sorry, that was dumb. Like, go ahead, let's do that together. That's totally fine that you were blowing bubbles in the house and it was getting in my face while I was trying to like watch a show. I shouldn't be watching the show, I wanna spend time with you. <laughs> and then I think back of, and I think to these team members sometimes and I think, I probably should be getting annoyed with them sometimes. <laughs> like there's like the our resources are so finite right now. Like everything's measured that we have to be so careful because it's not just about that person abusing their time or something. It's the whole team, everyone trusting each other. Unfortunately, we have a really really good group right now, but that's interesting. I haven't thought about the way that that correlates even back to my home, the workplace. What do you think have been some of the hardest things for Leticia as you, you know, even if you can keep your hours steady, you're, like you said, you're still always thinking about it and trying to drive it. What have, what have been some of the hardest things for her to deal with? I'd say, I mean, I encourage you to ask her also, but <laughs> I'd say her number one issue is not being able to rely on when I'm totally going to be able to be there. Because I always am a little bit later than I say. I'm doing a heck of a lot better than I was before, but like I'll try to be home by 6. It's usually 6.20. Like there's a lot of things like that. I think that's really hard, but compared with where we started, I think it's come a long way, but there's I'm still definitely trying to repair where we were because there was a lot that I definitely took for granted and definitely wasn't trying to champion my spouse the way I properly should have. Uh, I mean, we'd go to events and I would just drag her along and wouldn't. And now I realize she is the best part of me. When I go and meet these people at networking events, she's the first thing now that I try to introduce because that makes it so much more interesting and memorable. And I, I realized how dumb I was before that I was so focused, like so tunnel visioned on these objectives that she really was outside of that tunnel. And now I realize that she and my family need to be the tunnel vision and that the business needs to fit inside that because I'm not doing my things with my family 
so that I can go and be with the business when I am there during the day. Like the only reason I'm doing this business really now is because of my family. I'm just very fortunate that it's something I'm passionate about. I like that. If you had to give some advice to someone, an entrepreneur who was thinking about following a dream that they had, but felt like maybe they couldn't do it because of the risk it would impose on their family, what would you tell them? Uh, have a very real conversation with your spouse first. Like that's the most important that your husband or your wife, whoever it is that's thinking of taking the risk, they have to be on board. Because even if you set very clear expectations of I'm going to be working really hard, I'll wake up early, I'll go to work at six, I'll be home by six and I'll do these things. And like even during those startup grind times where you're just trying to get to make money as quick as possible so you can support it. There's going to be times right now, I'll, I'll tell my wife, hey, this is one of those weeks going into it. And I found that as long as I give her warning and she knows what to expect, then she does a, a heck of a lot better than if I just assume that she'll be okay with it. And that's part of where if you're going to jump into it, you have to set expectations and you have to make sure that everyone's on board before. It can't be something after the fact that you try to repair, otherwise you end up in a position where you have to pick one or the other and that's just a waste of life if you do make the right choice of picking your family because you just spent all this time not only your life trying to dig into this but their life now where you weren't around and like jumping in it's the most fun invigorating amazing thing you can ever do especially when you look in a room i mean i look at our weekly meetings every friday we get everyone sodas and we sit down and we go over our goals and go everything we're trying to do and I look at the table and I think everyone here is here because they want to be. And everyone is making a living off of this. Like, that's a cool feeling. And then I look at the thousands of kids every day that are using our program. And we're getting calls from parents asking them what it is they're doing at school. Because we had a girl that got an appendectomy and was crying after. And the dad was all worried that she was hurting or sick or something. And she was crying because she couldn't go to school. And she was going to miss her simulation that they are going to do. And he calls the school saying, hey, what the heck's going on? My kids never wanted to go to school ever. And now they're crying after major surgery. That's a big deal. And I look at this and I think, how awesome is that? But then I get home and my kid, we're playing like some game together. And my three-year-old at the time goes, what the heck? That freaked me out. And I think that made me more proud than anything that we've accomplished in the business in the last year. And, I, and I'm so glad that I got to be there for that. And I think there's nothing I would ever want to accomplish. For me, it would never be a success if I was failing at home. There's don't care how many hundreds of millions of kids we could impact, how many hundreds of millions of dollars we could generate. Nothing would ever outweigh if I were to fail with my kids. And it sucks when, my, when I get home and my boy tells me, you work too much. And I tell him, I do. I work a lot. But what do you want to make sure, like, what do you miss? What do you think we're missing? And I really try to have those honest conversations to make sure that I'm where he needs me to be. But I hope that during their conscious years, I'm around a lot more than I am right now. That's, yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. It makes perfect sense. What is one thing that you do at home that is replicable for someone else who wants to balance a demanding career and a family? So I've... I have hinted at like the little things that are really helpful, like really jailing your phone is huge. 
But I think the most meaningful for me over the last few months, actually, two or three months that I've been really strict about it has been uh, bedtime. I will not miss a bedtime. Even if I have to leave work, if we're in some crunch or some emergency, even if I have to leave work, I will come home for bedtime and then I will go back. Typically, our kids just stay up until I get home. So, uh, But now with bedtime, we... And it's, and it's always a meaningful bedtime. Like it's one of those things where if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You got to bring it. And so it's not just sitting around and reading a book and going like, we do these stories. We call them applesauce stories because there's this hero named applesauce who goes on adventures with my kids and it's a create your own adventure. And so we sit down and sometimes for 30 minutes, cause they'll just ask for more and more and we'll go through and they'll go on these adventures where applesauce will be walking through the forest and see something on the ground. And we'll say, and then he saw a, and one of the kids will say something. And then we'll go with that. And so they're a part of these stories and it's so fun because it's this time that I hope they'll remember forever. I'm never going to forget it. But it's something that they know they can rely on. This is our thing. Like this is something they get to do with dad and I will never miss it. And so making sure that you have your thing, that your kids can rely on and not just something that's consistent, but that's meaningful because this is their new favorite thing. I mean, we could be playing video games, we could be eating ice cream. I could give them choices between, hey, do you want a bowl of candy or do you want to do an applesauce story? And they will say applesauce story. They are obsessed with it. And it's so cool that that's become something meaningful that's not just a checklist, but something that really involves us being together. And then of course, like I mentioned before, that also involves me chilling with them until they fall asleep, because that's our time. Big thanks to Skylar for the interview this week. I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I did giving the interview. I really liked what he said about making sure that you bring it every time you go home. So that's my challenge to each of you this week. After your long day of going hard at work, make sure to bring it when you get back home. I'm Steven Olson, and I'll see you next week. Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around. If you want to tell us about how you manage your work and your family, you can find us online at theworklifebalanceproject.com or you can find us on Instagram at theworklifebalanceproject. We love hearing about how having a family drives you to be a better professional. Please don't forget to subscribe to our show. We'll be here every week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, go spend some meaningful time with your family. See ya!